Bless you. Kenny, you must have had the microphone I had in Sunday school this morning. Yeah, you know, that, that's the mic they give people when they don't want to hear them anymore. And so they just kind of cut you off. I was, I was in a church not long ago, and they, their pulpit disappeared into the floor. They had a thing where they could lower the pulpit down. And I thought, that's dangerous, you know, when you don't like what the preacher's preaching. Somebody flips the trap door and he's gone, you know. Uh, but uh, it's great to see all of you here this morning, and what a great day to be together. Uh, it's a great day to be alive. It's a beautiful Lord's Day. Uh, every day, of course, uh, God's gift to us. But this Friends and Family Day is a very special day in this church, and I am really thrilled, I mean that, to be able to spend it with you and looking forward to what God's going to say to us through the Word of God. How many of you have a friend in the room today? Would you raise your hand, please? Well, that's a little rough. Let's try that one more time. How many of you have any friend in the room? Would you raise your hand, please? Good. If you don't, I'll be your friend, all right? How many of you have family here today? Would you raise your hand? That's amazing. Uh, my family is not with me, but I feel like I'm with family. When you're with the Lord's people, that's the way it is. And uh, I want to say to you, because, you know, when you're the guest preacher, you don't know who belongs and who doesn't. But if this is not your church and you're visiting today, I want you to know you have found a wonderful, wonderful church. And uh, they have a faithful Bible preacher. Uh, you're here on a special Sunday, but I want to encourage you, come back next Lord's Day. Uh, is next Sunday a normal Sunday? Is there such thing as a normal Sunday around here? But the next Sunday is a normal Sunday. Are you preaching next Sunday? Good. I want you to come back and hear the preacher. And I really mean that because he's my friend and God's using him here. And this is a, a fellowship of believers that really love the Lord and love one another. And so you found a great place, and I do hope this will be the first time of many uh, that you'll be able to be in the place. Uh, you know, friends and family, both, both friends and family, started in the heart of God. Uh, God is the one who made family, who sets the solitary in families, who makes a way for sinners to come into his family. And uh, at its core, friendship is at the very heart of God. I want you to open the Word of God with me. If you have a copy of it this morning in the New Testament, the Gospel according to John and if you don't have a Bible, it's all right. I'm going to read from it in just a moment. But scoot down and get next to somebody that does or share your copy of the Bible with somebody near you so that everybody can see it with their own eyes. This week, we are studying in John 15. We began there early this morning. And Lord willing, Monday evening, Tuesday evening, I'm going to return to this great chapter. If Jesus comes before Monday night, we will not meet in this auditorium. If Jesus comes, we're going to meet in a much better location. I'm looking forward to that. But if the Lord tears is coming, we're going to come back, meet together again those two evenings, and be right back in this amazing chapter. But in the middle of John chapter 15, which is the words of Jesus, you see the words of Christ here on his way to the cross, the words of any man important before they die, how much more the God-man. And this was what he said to his disciples just before he left them. Right in the middle of John 15, there is an amazing little section about friendship. I want you to look with me at John chapter 15, beginning in verse number 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Stop and look at me just a minute. How many of you think we're living in a hateful world right now? It's awful. It's as harsh and hard, perhaps, as it's ever been. And this world desperately needs the love of God, desperately. But the love of God is not something you muster up. It's something God has to put in you. It's not from men. It's not trying harder to be a nicer person. 
It's knowing the God who is himself love. And how do we know him? Oh, I'm glad you asked. We know him through Jesus. That's why Christ came. That's why the Son of God came to show us the love of God. So look at verse number 13. What a verse. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I, I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Would you get a pen out? Everybody do this just for a second. If you've got your own Bible, get your pen out. If it's your friend's Bible, don't mark in their Bible, all right? But if you've got your own Bible, get a pen out, and I want you to mark it once in each verse, this word. When I stop, say the next word. Look at verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his what? His friends. Look at verse 14. Ye are my what? Friends. Look at verse 15. I call you not servants. The servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you what? Now, I'm just going to tell you, this is mind-boggling to me, that the creator God of the universe, the only sinless man that ever walked this planet, would look at sinners like us and call us friends. Friendship seems to be in short supply today. I was in a place preaching another state recently, and a lady walked up to me. I'd never seen her before in my life. And uh, she, she talked for a moment or two like, like we were old friends. And, uh, I, I mean, I'm friendly and, and love talking to people, but, I mean, she talked like we were long-lost cousins. And finally, I guess she saw I was a little puzzled, and she said, you know, we're Facebook friends. How many of you ever heard that before in your life? And I said, oh, wonderful, good. You know, our world has reduced friendship to some online connection. Maybe, maybe that is why friendship means less than it's ever meant, and it's become so superficial that people think, well, we're acquaintances. We, we know one another. That is not what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about friendship. I must tell you that at this age in my life, at this stage in life, friendship is beginning to mean more to me than it ever has. Years ago, I heard someone say to me, if you have a handful of true friends in your life, you're a rich man. And I thought, handful? I got a lot of friends. But the older I get, the more I understand exactly what that person meant by that. There's not too many people you can just call at 3 o'clock in the morning if you just desperately need something. There's not too many people on earth that you can say, I can confide in that person and that man is not going to betray my trust or that woman is going to be, be kind enough to keep it in confidence. That's a, that's a real friend. Let me tell you what Jesus did. Jesus Christ came to reveal the heart of true friendship and to make a way that we could be called the friends of God. The Bible says that God spoke to Moses like a man speaks to his friend. The Bible, in multiple places, calls Abraham the friend of God. I wonder, do you really know the friendship of Jesus? If I said to you, tell me what you know about God, and somebody says, oh, he's the creator. Yes, he's the creator, but do you know him as your friend? Somebody says, well, I, I believe that he is the Son of God. I'm glad that you know he's the Son of God. But frankly, the devil knows he's the Son of God. But Satan is the enemy of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm asking, do you know the friendship of Jesus Christ? Do you know about him or do you actually know him? 
Do you know him intellectually or do you know him personally? Do you know him from a distance or, or do you know him up close? Do you really know the friendship of Jesus Christ? We're living in a world of lonely souls, wandering aimlessly all over this planet, looking for meaning and purpose and joy and belonging and identity and somebody to love them and something to connect their life to. And I came to tell you this morning, that's why Jesus came. He came to make it so you could know God as your friend. Forty-two years ago, not a preacher, a lady, a kind Christian woman, Took a Bible like the one I'm preaching from this morning. And I started asking questions about God. And she opened the Bible, and she's the first person I ever remember. I know others said it. She's the first person I ever remember. It was like the, the light bulb moment. You know what I'm talking about, where it, it connected with me. I got it. I understood it. That Jesus Christ didn't just love everybody. He loved me. And that he didn't just die. He died for my sins. And he didn't just rise from the dead. He rose from the dead to give me everlasting life. And I'm going to tell you, 42 years ago, I entered into the friendship of Jesus Christ. And it means more to me than it has ever meant. A few days ago, I was preaching in a church. And a woman came up to me. And she heard that I was from West Virginia, from Beckley. And, and she said, you live in Beckley? And I said, yes. Born and raised there, and she said, I have an uncle there. She said, his name is Buddy. He's 90 years of age, and he is not a believer. She said, do you think maybe sometime when you're back in town, you could go by and visit him? I said, sure. And she said, I got a problem. She said, I don't know the address. I said, that's a problem. She said, I think I can draw you a map. And she did on a little scrap piece of paper. And she said, do you know where this Walmart is? I said, yes, I know where that Walmart is. She said, do you know where this street is? I said, I think so. She said, if you turn on that street and go all the way up and it curves around to the right. How many of you ever had somebody give you directions like that? You know, watch for the big tree and the little rock and the bird singing and you just think, heaven help us. And she said, he lives in a little white house with a chain link fence and that curve. And I said, all right. Friday I was home for a day and a young man that helps me, Micah, we were running some errands and working on some projects. And, and I said, there's a man I need to go try to find. And it was raining a little bit. And we drove out and drove around a little bit. And, and I stopped at one house, knocked on the door. Nobody came except for the dog. He came. And I said, well, that's not it. And I went to another house, dried that, and nobody answered. And, and I started to leave. And I said to Mike, I said, let's go up just a little bit further. Maybe we haven't gone far enough. And we went up just a little bit further. And sure enough, there was a real sharp curve and a little white house with a chain link fence. And, Old pickup truck in the driveway, well manicured place. I said, This is it. This is the place. We got out of the car and walked down, knocked on the door, and just a moment, just just a moment, this 90 year old man came to the door. A Korean War vet, a really neat fella. It was chilly, and we were talking, and, and he said, Come in the house. Come in. Let's sit down and talk. And we sat down, and, and he had a Bible laying over on the, on the table. We talked for a while about a little of everything. He was a fisherman. He had hundreds of fishing lures on the wall, hundreds of them. And uh, he was a coal miner. My grandpa was a coal miner. We talked about that a little bit. And, and then I said to him, I said, do you, do you have a relationship with God? He said, no, sir. He pointed across the room. He said, I got a Bible over there. And he did. Had a Bible laying on the table. I picked it up, went over, and knelt down next to his chair. And we just started talking about spiritual things. I don't think I'll ever forget my conversation with that old fella. But he said to me, he said, you know, 
At this stage in my life, he said, everything's changed. He said, all my friends are gone. He said, they've all died. He said, my wife died four years ago. And he said, it's different. He said, I live here by myself. He was a lonely man. I said, do you think much about eternity, about where you're going to go? He said, I'm thinking more about it. I said, has anybody ever really showed you from the Bible how you could know Jesus in a personal way? And for the next few moments, it was, it was, it was special. I wish I could pick you up and drop you in that living room and let you sit there with us. I didn't preach a sermon to him. I just told him about Jesus. I took him to John 3, verse 16. Now, you think, here's a 90-year-old man. He's grown up in, in the Bible Belt, been around, you know, communities like this, where there's churches like this all of his life. And I read John 3, 16 to him, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I said, buddy, have you ever heard that verse before? He said, I'm not sure. He said, I think maybe, maybe when I was a little boy I heard it. He put his glasses on. He wanted to see it for himself. He said, mark that page for me. What page is that? I said, I'll mark it for you. In just a very few moments, Buddy bowed his head and prayed a very simple prayer and invited the Lord Jesus to come into his heart. I got my picture made with him. I said to Buddy, I said, I know you live here by yourself, but I want you to know we're leaving, but Jesus isn't. And when you invited Christ into your life, that wasn't just to go to heaven someday. That's to know God today. And I said, I want you to know you have a friend now who's with you that said he would never leave you and he would never forsake you. Let me tell you what that is. That, my friends, is true friendship. We use the word so, so empty, so lightly, so flippantly. When Jesus used the word, he was revealing the heart of God toward all of us. God didn't want you to be the enemy of God. God didn't want you to be at a distance from him. God wants you to be his friend. When God first made man in the garden, who was Adam's first friend? Now, you might say Eve, but that's not, not right. That was the first friend that he had that was like to him, similar to him. But the first friend Adam ever had in that garden was he knew the friendship of Almighty God. And when sin enters in, it breaks that friendship. It breaks that fellowship. And that's why Jesus came, so that he could make a way so that men who are not right with God and do not know God and do not love God can be brought back into a right relationship with God. This is not about me preaching a sermon today. This is not about this church or this pastor. This is about every person in this room experiencing for themselves the friendship of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wonder, do you know the friendship of Jesus? Is it a personal reality in your life? Now, I know what you're thinking. You look at this passage and say, yeah, well, he's the friend of the disciples. I think you missed the point because those disciples were sinners. In fact, in the previous book, in the gospel, according to Luke, this is amazing, but Jesus is sitting one day, and he's having lunch with a bunch of publicans, tax collectors. They were, they were sellouts to the Roman government. They were cheats. That's what they were. They were like Zacchaeus and Matthew. They were, they were tax collectors. They were skimming off the top. They were stealing, and they were known as deceitful people. And Jesus is having a meal with them. And somebody, some religious, you know, religious sinners are the worst. Did you know religious sinners are the worst? Some religious sinner said, I, okay, I can't believe he's sitting around the table eating with a bunch of sinners like this. And they said something as a criticism that I think is one of the greatest compliments anybody ever gave Jesus. 
They said, and I love this expression, he is the friend of sinners. I'm going to tell you why I'm glad Jesus is a friend of sinners today. Because long before I was a disciple, I was a sinner. And Jesus doesn't just love people who dress up good for church and show up every Sunday. Jesus loves all people, and Christ died for every man, and God wants everybody to know the friendship that can only come through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5 the Bible says that God commendeth his love toward us. The word commendeth, it's an old English word that means he demonstrated. Look at me now. There's a whole lot of people that tell you they love you, but they don't prove it. How many of you ever had that happen before? Jesus didn't say it. He showed it. God commendeth his love toward us, toward us, toward us, toward us. In that, don't miss this phrase, while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And the next verse says, while we were still enemies, he died for us. When we could not come to God on our own, praise the Lord, Jesus came to us. That's the good news of the gospel in a bad world with evil hearts. What is it? It is that Jesus Christ is the greatest friend you'll ever have. May I prove it to you? Look at these three verses. Three times. Look at these three verses. Everything I'm going to say to you comes from these three verses. Here's the first. Look in verse number 13. Let me tell you about the friend of sinners. Let me tell you about Jesus. This friend sacrifices. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. The greatest demonstration of love is sacrifice. How many of you ever served in the military? Would you raise your hand? How many of you ever had family members that served? I want to say to all of you, God bless you. You know, the greatest demonstration of love in a nation is that kind of sacrifice. And some paid the ultimate sacrifice, and may God bless their memory. Would you like to know the greatest demonstration God could ever make of his love to us? Look at the cross. Look at Jesus hanging there saying, I love you this much. God so loved. What is so? Define so for me, please. It's a word that defies definition. He's so loved. It's what you say when you don't know what to say. It's what you say when words won't say enough. May I say to you, God loves you with an everlasting love. There was never a day he started loving you, and there'll never be a day he stops loving you. He could never love you any more than he loves you at this moment, and he will never love you any less because God is love himself. And you may be sitting here thinking, you don't know me, preacher. <laughs> you don't know you don't know what I've done. No, no, but God knows every one of us. God knows what every one of us have done. And I'm going to tell you today on the authority of the Word of God, look at me please and hear me with your heart. God loves you. And the greatest demonstration of that kind of friendship is he sacrificed himself for your soul's salvation. He didn't just die on a cross. He died for you. I was sitting next to a man the other day on an airplane <clears throat> talking to him about Jesus. He's a Hindu. And I said to him, what do you think about Jesus? Tell me, please. I've been to India. And I, I, I know something about the religious system. I said, tell me what you think about Jesus. And he went to, well, he was a good man and a good example and a good teacher and a 
Hold on just a minute. He said he was the Son of God and the only way of salvation. Either he is who he said he is, or he's the biggest liar and lunatic that ever walked this planet. You can't have it both ways. You've got to pick one. You can't say he's a good example and a good teacher and a good man, and yet he is not who he said he was. Let me tell you who Jesus Christ is. He is the sinless Son of God and the only way of salvation, and he proved it when he sacrificed himself on that cross to make it possible for you to come to God. There's a second thing. Look at verse number 15. Henceforth. I love that henceforth. That means there's a new beginning. May God make today the henceforth for some people. Henceforth, I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. This is amazing. He calls me friend. I have called you friends, and here's the evidence. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known to you. My friend not only sacrifices, my friend speaks. You know one of the real marks of friendship? You bear your heart. You tell friends things you don't tell anybody else. My wife and I have been married for 26 years. She's with our first grandbaby in Michigan right now. And uh, we're having a great time serving the Lord together. But yesterday, somebody in conversation, we were talking about how we got together and all that transpired, and, and I, I just went back in my mind. I, she's from Michigan. I'm from West Virginia. So you only meet in college, you know, when you're from that far apart. And uh, frankly, we were not romantically interested in each other. I liked another young lady. She liked another young man. I still can't believe she liked somebody else, but she did. And we were in the same circle of friends. We were in this kind of a group, you know, that went places and did things together. And we started talking to each other. It was amazing. We just started talking about the future and family and life. And we started talking to each other about these people, these other people that we liked. And finally, after a little while, we figured out that we liked each other better than we liked them. And on Friday the 13th, that was the luckiest Friday the 13th of my life, we got married. And you know one of the things I'm truly grateful for? That it started with friendship. Because here's what I've learned at this juncture. Uh, romance ebbs and flows. How many married people can give a hearty amen to that? Some of these kids get married and think, you know, it's just going to be romance every day. You're going to be disappointed, I'm telling you now. Watch this. Romance ebbs and flows. Watch. Friendship grows and grows. The great foundation of every solid relationship is friendship. I love that. And you know how Jesus proved it? He told us things no one else had ever told us, or watch this, could ever tell us, because he came straight from heaven from the presence of Almighty God. Everything I know about God and heaven and eternity, I know because of Jesus there's a beautiful transparency in this. Let me tell you about sin. Look, we're all a bunch of sinners. You're just listening to a dressed-up sinner right now. We're all a bunch of sinners. Let me tell you about sin. Sin is a lie at its core. It is deceitful. You have to hide it. It thrives in the shadows. There is no transparency to it because Satan is a liar, and he wants to hide everything, and he wants you to hide everything. But let me tell you what Jesus does. He brings all of that into the light. There is a beautiful transparency to relationship with Jesus Christ. And there's not only transparency, there's intimacy there. Because the greatest intimacy is spiritual oneness. And this is wonderful. 
When you come to know Jesus as your Savior and God as your Father and the Holy Spirit as your guide, when you come to know the Lord, you enter in to the greatest friendship that has ever been in the history of mankind. It is the friendship of Jesus Christ. But there's one more. I skipped a verse. Did you notice? Look again at John chapter 15. In verse 13, it's sacrifice. In verse 15, he speaks. But would you hear the heart of Jesus in verse 14? Ye are my friends, if. Would you circle the little word if, because that's a big word. May I tell you, my friend seeks. You know what friendship does? It seeks the best interest of another. Look here. The devil does this. Stamps a man down. Jesus does this. Lifts him up. Sin sucks all the life out of you. It drains every good thing out of your life. The Lord does the exact opposite of that. He brings every good thing into your life. Some of you think God's trying to take something from you. I tell you, every good thing you've ever had or would have would come only because of our good God. It's it's the exact opposite of what you're thinking. Stop listening to the liar. The devil's a liar and the father of it. Listen to the God of truth. Jesus said, I got so much for you. I want to lift you. And that's what true friendship does. It doesn't take, it gives Please don't miss this. There's a condition here. The little word if. Jesus sacrifices and Jesus speaks and Jesus seeks. But please don't miss this. You don't force your friendship on somebody else. They have to choose it. Do you see the little word if there? For years this puzzled me. You know what if is? This is not a condition to his friendship. It's a condition to ours. Can I tell you today? There is no condition to the friendship of Jesus. He loves you because he can't help himself. He died for your sins, and he offers everlasting life and abundant life. I'm telling you, there is no condition to the friendship of Jesus Christ. You may not accept him. You may treat him like an enemy. You might spit in his face and say no to the grace of God. But Jesus loves you and is your friend. He's a friend of sinners. But the if here, that's back to us. It's one thing to say God is your friend. It's quite another to say you are his. May I ask you a personal question this morning? If we let the Lord testify about every one of us today and said, is this man your friend, Lord? Is this man? Is this man? Is this lady? How about this lady? If we went right down the line and let God say, I don't know, and look, maybe people around you don't even know, but if we let the Lord say whether you're really the friend of the Lord or not, what would he say? On the night Jesus spoke these words, he went to a garden to pray. I stood in that garden a few months ago. I've been thinking about it with all that's going on in Israel right now. We're supposed to be back there next year. I stood in that garden. You can see the old city of Jerusalem. You can see the eastern gate. It's on the base of the Mount of Olives. Behind you is the Mount of Olives, the place from where Christ ascended. But on this night, it was the night where Jesus had quite a prayer meeting. He prayed so fervently and intensely, his sweat became as great drops of blood, and he prayed, not my will, but thine be done. He was on his way to the cross, and at the end of that prayer meeting, a mob showed up. This always fascinated me. If you learn something about Bible geography over there, you do know Jesus could have escaped that night, right? Do you know that 
from where they were at the Garden of Gethsemane, they would have seen the crowd in the middle of the night coming with their torches and lanterns and swords and spears, hunting him like an animal or like a common criminal. They would have seen him coming down the path and across the Kedron Valley. And on the other side of the Mount of Olives is a little town called Bethany. That's where Lazarus and Mary Martha lived, the man Jesus raised from the dead. I guarantee if Jesus wanted to have escaped that night, he could have gone over the backside of the Mount of Olives and hidden out in their house. But he didn't run. He stood there and waited to meet them. Why? Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up again. And at the lead of the pack, when the mob arrived, there's a man in the middle. And it's Judas. He's the one who led them to the garden. Sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Greeted him in the ancient custom, the kiss on the cheek. Kissed Jesus on the cheek as a sign. That's the man. He kissed the door of heaven and turned away from it. This is what has always amazed me. Do you know the first word that came out of Jesus' mouth? Friend. (laughs) Let me just tell you, I can think of a whole lot of words for Judas, and friend isn't one of them. Traitor? Jesus looks his enemy in the face and says, friend, why have you come? He already knew because he knew everything. By the way, he knows everything about you. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, lover of my soul. Friends may fail me. Foes assail me. He, my Savior, makes me whole. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Hallelujah. What a friend. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Do you know the friendship of Jesus Christ? Do you really know it? Because he's seeking you today. He, he wants you in his family, and he wants you as his friend, but he's a gentleman. Some of you are waiting on a lightning bolt to strike you from heaven, and God to kick the door of your heart down and barge in and take over. God doesn't operate that way. He gave you a will to choose. He's not going to choose for you. You can't do what only God can do, and God's not going to do what he told you to do. You must choose to believe the gospel and obey the Lord and say yes. You must open the door and let Jesus in if you truly want his friendship. And I wonder today, do you know the friendship of Jesus? Do you have a hymn book there close to you? We sang out of it earlier. Everybody find a hymn book just for a moment. I want you to find a hymn. If you'll do this, I promise not to sing to you, all right? So that'll be something you can praise God for. Let's end here. Would you find hymn 412 in your hymn book? It's one of my favorite hymns. It leads us to prayer, and in a moment, that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. God's been talking to us. We're going to talk to him. In fact, I'm going to ask everybody in this room to join me in a moment in one of two prayers. And if you say, which one's mine, you'll know. You'll know. Have you found him, 412? When you get there, look at the title, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. How many of you have ever heard that song before? It's famous. There's a name there. Do you see in the top left? Joseph Scriven. That's the man who wrote the words of this hymn. Look at the first verse. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? (laughs) Is there trouble anywhere? I want to shout yes, everywhere. 
We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Now, the song's amazing, but the story behind it is more amazing. Joseph Scriven was engaged to be married, a beautiful young lady. The night before their wedding, she'd been swimming with friends in a certain place, and she drowned. His heart was just broken. He decided to relocate and move to Canada. I'll get a new start, get a new start. He lived there for several years, met a young woman, fell in love again. Just weeks before their wedding day, she got sick and died. About that time, he got a letter from his family that said, your mother's dying. If you want to see her, you need to come quickly. And, and all this is going on in his mind, in his life, in his heart, and he's just he's overcome with it. He's just overwhelmed with his emotion and his circumstances. And nobody seemed to understand. Nobody could feel what he felt. And nobody else could help him. And it was at that moment in his life that Joseph Scriven got really close to Jesus. It was then that he wrote these words. Look at the third verse. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care, precious Savior, still our refuge? Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. I want to say with him, what a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend. Years later, this song became famous, and somebody asked Scriven one day, Mr. Scriven, can you tell us how you wrote that song? And they said the old man got tears in his eyes, and he smiled, and all he would say was this, the Lord and I wrote that between the two of us. Would you look at me just a second? This is not between me and you. I'm not asking you to stand up and give a speech to this church. I'm not asking you to come have a conversation with me. I'm asking you, would you be willing today to talk to God, to, to take your situation to the Lord in prayer right where you're sitting? Would you be willing to speak to the one who is speaking to you at this moment? That's not me. That's the Lord Jesus. Because he's the greatest friend. 